We were put on earth to make a contribution, to add to life on earth and not just take from it. So many people today ask what's in it for me? How will doing that benefit me? And so on. In John chapter 17, verses 1 to 5, Jesus prays to his Father. The Bible says, After Jesus says this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might have eternal life to, give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Christ Jesus, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Today our message focuses on verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have done to me. God gave Jesus, his son, a task to accomplish. Likewise, God asks us to give something back, to contribute, to minister, to give ourselves in service to him. Rick Warren breaks this down in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. What on earth am I here for? Which provides the basis for my message today. Throughout the book, he continually looks to the Bible, our guidebook, for the details. His first point is, we were created to serve God. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What God, Jer what God told Jeremiah is true for you and me today. Each and every one of us was placed on this planet for a special assignment. Whenever we serve others, we are actually serving God and fulfilling one of our purposes. Through service, we develop our shape. This stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. God gives every believer spiritual gifts to be used in ministry. You can't earn your spiritual gifts or deserve them. That is why they are called gifts. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 that to, that to each one of the, of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, meaning that our spiritual gifts are to bless others, not ourselves. We can't choose our gifts, and every person has their own unique mix of gifts. They are an expression of God's grace to us, and we can't be envious of other gifts nor expect everyone else to have our gifts. By working together and realising each other's gifts, we can serve effectively. The Bible uses the term heart to describe the bundle of desires, hopes, interests, ambitions, dreams and affections you have. Your heart reveals the real you and is the source of all your emotions. The Bible even says in Proverbs 27, 9, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. God has given each of us an emotional heart beat that races when we think about the subjects, activities and circumstances that interest us. Another word for heart is passion, and when we are serving God for, from our hearts, we are enthusiastic and effective. When you are doing something you love, these two things come naturally. Through service, we, can, we learn to apply our abilities, our, talent, our natural talents that we were born with, all our abilities come from God, and as it says in Romans 12, verse 6, he has given us all the ability to do certain things well. Part of the church's responsibility is to identify and release your abilities for serving God. Every ability can be used for God's glory. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, So whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whether you are good at speaking, listening, cooking, fishing, art, music, or teaching, the list is endless. God can use you. We must remember that what we are able to do, God wants us to do. No one else can play your role because they don't have the unique shape that God has given you. It's up to you to find and develop your abilities. God gave them to you for your ministry. God uses each personality. There is no right or wrong temperament for ministry. When you look at the personality differences in the 12 disciples, it's easy to see why sometimes they had interpersonal conflict. Mimicking someone else's ministry never works. When we are forced to minister in a way that is out of our character for our temperament, it creates tension and discomfort, requiring extra effort and energy, producing less than the best results. You can learn from the examples of others, but you must filter what you learn through your own shape. You have been shaped through your experiences in life, your family, educational, vocational, spiritual, ministry, and painful experiences all shape you, and we must always remember that God never wastes hurt. In fact, our greatest ministry will most likely come out of our greatest hurt. As it says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, God comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Aldous Huxley said, experience is not what happens to us, it is what you do with what happens to you. Therefore, don't waste your pain, use it to help others. Rick Warren's second point is, we were saved to serve. We are not saved by service, as salvation is through Christ alone, but we are saved for service. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 tells us, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. In God's kingdom, you have a place, a purpose, a role and a function to fulfill. Doesn't hearing those words bring you joy and feelings of significance and value, knowing that you were created for a purpose, not just to live, but have a fulfilled life? To serve God is to know God, to know what he has done for us, and to strive to be more like him. God gave his own son to save us from sin and purchase our salvation. Should we then serve him out of guilt, fear, or even duty? No. We owe him our lives, and we should serve out of joy and gratitude for what he has done for us. A saved heart is one that wants to serve. John points out in 1 John 3.14 that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Self-centered thoughts are replaced with love and a desire to serve others. Many people are reluctant when they are asked to minister, but to minister is simply to serve. Ministry does not solely take the form of a pastor or a lay preacher, but encompasses every Christian. Like Peter's mother-in-law when Jesus healed her in Matthew chapter 8, when she immediately began to wait on him, we are healed to help others. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are saved to serve and not sit around and wait for heaven. God has a ministry for you in the, his church and a mission for you in the world. Why else would he leave us here in a fallen world? His third point is we are called to serve God. 
Regardless of your job or career, each one of us is called to full-time Christian service. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction in terms. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says, But we are a chosen, that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Anytime you use your God-given abilities to help others, you are fulfilling your calling. We must serve each other in practical ways, both inside and out of the church. We must be there for one another when someone is suffering, be ready to lend a listening ear, to offer advice and encouragement, be willing to go the extra mile, whether figuratively or physically, be willing to help someone financially in tough times. There is no small service to God, it all matters. Likewise, there are no insignificant ministries in the church. Some are visible, some are behind the scenes, but all are valuable. There is no correlation between size and significance. Every ministry matters because we are all dependent on each other to function. Ultimately, we must be willing to take time out of our lives to help others in any way we can. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 27 states, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Every part of the body is needed and serves a different function. What good would a kidney be if it suddenly decided to not function one day? It is needed and the whole body is complete with it. Your service is, de is desperately needed in the body of Christ. Each of us has a role to play and every role is important. Rick Warren's final point is, you are commanded to serve God. When the mother of James and John approached Jesus and asked her sons to be at his side in heaven, Jesus was shocked because they hadn't learnt the truths he was teaching. In Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28, we see his response to the disciples who began to jostle for position. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve and to give, and those two verbs should define our lives here on earth. Mother Teresa once said, holy living consists in doing God's work with a smile. Therefore, impression without expression causes depression. Study without service leads to spiritual stagnation. Spiritual maturity is not an end in itself, but must lead to ministry. We must model ourselves on the Sea of Galilee, where the water runs in and flows out, giving the lake life. Not the Dead Sea, where the water flows in but does not flow out, causing the water to stagnate and become uninhabitable. In many cases today, people already know the Bible inside and out, so they are not looking for another Bible study group, but instead need serving experiences in which they can exercise their spiritual muscles. Serving is the opposite of our natural inclination. We need to alter our way of thinking from how can people in the church serve me to how can I be of service. As we mature in Christ, the focus of our lives should increasingly shift to living a life of service. Service prepares us for eternity. Romans 14 verse 12 tells us that when Christ comes again, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. He will evaluate how well you served others with your life. All our excuses for self-centeredness self-centeredness, will sound hollow. I was too busy, or I had my own goals, or I was too preoccupied with having fun. 
The Bible warns unbelievers in Romans chapter 2, verse 8. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. But for Christians, it will mean a loss of eternal reward. We are only fully alive when we are helping others. Jesus said in Mark 8, verse 35, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is repeated five times in the gospel. If you are not serving, you are just existing because life is meant for ministry. It is through ministry that we discover the meaning of our lives. We devote our lives to careers, sports, hobbies, fame or wealth. But none of this has any lasting significance. Service is the pathway to significance. What matters most is not the duration of your life, but the donation of it. What excuses have you been making to avoid ministry? Abraham was old, Jacob was insecure, Leah was unattractive, Joseph was abused, Moses stuttered and Gideon was poor, Samson was codependent, Rahab was immoral, Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was reluctant, Naomi was a widow, John the Baptist was eccentric to say the least, and Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. God wants to use each and every one of us misfits. So stop making excuses. Service is not optional.